This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Welcome to uh, this uh, Youth Worker Recharge podcast and uh, and conversation. We are so glad that you are here and have a wonderful uh, mentor and friend and youth ministry super veteran here with us. Um, uh, and, uh, and so we're, we're glad you joined us today. You bet, Jeremy. Thanks. Um, as always, it's Chris and Jeremy that are here uh, together with you, and we are super duper excited to welcome Mike Ratliff. If I can, I will say Reverend Dr. Mike Ratliff, uh, who is the president and lead officer of Into Discovery Incorporated and the executive director of Just Say No, and that is no with a K, K-N-O-W, Ministries. And he is also a published author several times over, including his most recent book, which is available on Amazon, titled Are You Being Groomed for Sex? He has served as the Associate General Secretary for Young People's Ministries at Discipleship Ministries of the United Methodist Church and has years of experience in ministry with young people at uh, basically every level of the church. I think that is fair to say. <laughs> Local church, district, conference, general, uh, central conference. I mean, everywhere, Mike. So thanks for carving out some time to be with us this morning. Thanks. It's good to be here. So, Mike, you've been doing youth ministry for forever in one form or another and um you know and and so i I always appreciate in this crazy moment that we're in right now um some perspective that is bigger than this moment um and so i wonder when you think about what we're doing uh in this covid hopefully transitioning out over the next six months of, of that, the worst part of this uh, pandemic and what that's meant for our ministries, as you, as you look at that, um, what do you think are the, the essential things that in the midst of shutdowns and things that are um, things that we can't do, you know, all that we can't do, uh, what are the things that that when you, you look at youth ministry and, and all the impact that, that you've seen all over the world, what in this moment do we really need to say, okay, I can't do, uh, I can't do that game where everybody licks the back of each other's hands, right? <laughs> I probably shouldn't have ever done that. I would have never done that game, right, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm staying on what mute. is important. <laughs> what's what's the thing that we need to be focusing on in the season that's bigger than than some stupid game? Um, you know, I think I think the the fundamentals haven't really changed. Um, I'm I'm a part of four or five youth ministry groups on Facebook, and and so usually every day I'm in in some of those groups and. Um, and I see people struggling with and, and being challenged by trying to keep a group together um, in spite of not being able to be together and, um, and struggling with trying to do things online. And first of all, it's frustrating. And secondly, um, 
you know, youth are just tired of being in front of computers and and all of those kinds of things. And and what I love the most is those responses to that frustration that that come from other other youth leaders. And one of them that continues, and I think that is is a key is the relational aspect of, of youth ministry. And that's just uh, just giving giving youth a call, uh, sending them a text, doing something to acknowledge that um, that they are a person and that they're valuable. And by doing that, you know, you're, you're communicating God's love and, um, and the acknowledgement that they're part of God's good creation. And so, um, so what can you do? Uh, you know, if you're not running around to all the different schools and if you're not uh, trying to organize retreats that can't happen and those kinds of things, I, I think you can just invest some of that time and energy into an ongoing, um, I, I know you're there. Um, I know this is hard on everybody and I just want to, I just want to check in with you. And, and so I don't think that's changed. I, you know, I served in Littleton, Colorado when Columbine happened. And one of the things that, that we acknowledged in that whole community at that time, churches, social services, other organizations was that, um, that we didn't really have the infrastructure in place for every child in that area to know that there were people who cared about them. And, uh, you know, I've been a big advocate that every, um, every school should take every staff person from the custodian to the principal, and every one of those staff people should have a relationship with a, with a small group of youth in their, in their schools, um, because it's that relationship it goes much beyond any actions. It goes much beyond grades. Um, it goes much beyond all the kinds of things that our world says are things of worth that people need to strive for. So, um, so I would just say it's so basic and so maybe not easy, but uh, so important to just have that continued relationship with kids. And that's what's going to bring them back. That's what's going to reconnect them and re-engage them um, in person when we're able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, those relationships are key. And and I think it's also key to keep building into them, you know, and sort of respecting not just a sort of passive I'm checking on you kind of relationship, but also continuing to try to empower them wherever they are. And that's one of the things that I love about uh, discovery weekend. Right. Um, and I, I wonder if you would tell us a little bit about that and, and about your work at into discovery. You know, I think discovery weekend is one of the best kept secrets in um, not just the United Methodist church, but, but in the church um, it was started by a, a pastor in North Alabama she was involved with Emmaus and Chrysalis and, um, and did the um, Academy for Spiritual Formation. And if you haven't done that experience, I know because I just got information about it, they're, um, they're starting a, a virtual version of the, of the Academy. But her, main, her, her final project 
was to create um, a weekend for middle schoolers um, because middle schoolers don't participate in Chrysalis or Emmaus, but a weekend for middle schoolers that was similar in structure to the Emmaus and Chrysalis programs, but that happened in the local church. Um, and, and I got involved in it when I moved to Nashville to, to work with discipleship ministries and my church, um, a smaller church, did Discovery Weekend, and we might have a dozen kids involved in um, Discovery, a dozen middle schoolers, but with the high schoolers who had the opportunity to develop their leadership and and lead the talks and the small groups, the disciple groups, and the adults who led in various ways, and the adults who just cooked the meals and uh, participated in the in the prayer service, there were about 80 people in the congregation who were who were involved. And if you know me, you know that I've always believed congregational youth ministry is the only valid youth ministry. And it's the youth ministry that, um, that brings kids back to be involved in the church or continues to keep them involved. And, you know, there's enough research around now Kara Powell would, would help back that up. There's enough research around now to, to verify that. So what could be better than um, a, a weekend that has about a six-month run-up of planning and, and getting ready for it, um, where a congregation is totally focused on middle schoolers and yet that whole focus brings the whole congregation together in, in one form of ministry. I think it's one of the best church revitalization tools that's out there. Um, it's, it's awesome for middle schoolers and for their spiritual growth, but it does something to the whole congregation. There are congregations that just can't imagine not doing discovery. Our, our probably largest discovery church just canceled for this year. They normally have, I, I got to attend it last year, they normally have 600 kids, um, middle schoolers, and then another 300 high schoolers who, who help with leadership, and then hundreds of adults who, who support that program. And they decided to pull the plug on it completely because to do it with the number of um, people that they would be able to do it following COVID guidelines, or to try to do it virtually, they said, you know, this is just too important to our church. And so we're canceling it, we're getting ready for 2022, and, um, and we'll do it in the, in the ways that we've done it in the past. So, um, so it's, a great, it's a great weekend. The, the resources, there are three different manuals, um, and the thinking really is that there are three years the kids are in middle school, and so you can kind of rotate those manuals. We actually are moving beyond that so that um, there will be a weekend guide and then we'll continue to develop um, manual themed manuals for that have the content for particular weekends. Because once you learn how to do the weekend, it's pretty simple. It's very involved, but you know, once you get in the rhythm of it, it's like anything else. You just you just know how to do it. Um, we're also working to introduce a high school discovery weekend and doing that because the, the Emmaus and Chrysalis communities have struggled with 
getting high schoolers to Emmaus weekends for um, because they have to miss at least two days of school to be able to be a part of a, a Christmas weekend. And so, um, and so Discovery will basically be a weekend version of Chrysalis for high schoolers as well. And so we're working with the Chrysalis folks. They're doing some, some rewrites on the, on the manual for Chrysalis as well and, um, and hope to launch that with their relaunch in, in May. So, um, so Discovery Weekend is kind of the center of Into Discovery. Um, there are a couple of other things that we're trying to do, and, and I just reminded Jeremy before the rest of you got on that, that he's, he's got a little task he needs to do for me with, with one of those. And one is a, is a resource spotlight because the people who come to our Into Discovery um, page are people who work with youth. And so we want to find um, the best resources and have those highlighted and connected so that you can get to them. And so we just launched the website a couple of months ago. We're feeling good about the responses we're getting. The other thing we're doing is a, is a ministry spotlight. And we're trying to spotlight ministries that, um, that are started by young people. Right now we're spotlighting a ministry, a ministry in Liberia that's a health ministry for, um, for young women specifically, but for young people in general um, that deals with some of the sexuality kinds of things that are taboo to talk about in, um, in the culture in Liberia. And this young guy attended one of our Young Leaders Summits several years ago, um, went back with the idea that he could start something. And so he started this, um, this group who came together kind of a collective and they started putting together their money. And um, I, he, was, he was on our Young Leader check-in this morning, and they um, are about a month away from opening a, a brick-and-mortar uh, clinic, which is just oh, wow, this amazing great. thing. So um, my hope is that eventually we have uh, Discovery Weekend churches that, that connect with some of these ministries that are being started by young people in different parts of the world. Our next one will feature a, a homeless feeding program in oh, St. Wow. Louis and a young man who came from Cameroon and is in school in, um, in St. Louis is, started this ministry. And, um, and so we're trying to find ways to connect churches with ministries um, that bridge across some things. And then we do this young leader check-in last, last May. I started realizing there were young people who just needed to know um, that there were other people who cared. They were trying to figure out without a lot of resources how in the world to, um, to be in ministry because what they know of ministry is, is meeting and being together. And, um, and so we met this morning. I think we had about 10 probably. Yeah, that's great. The most we've had is 30 or 40. But um, this morning, I think we had 10 people from eight different countries, uh, mostly Africa and the Philippines. But um, just an opportunity for them to learn and grow. And, yeah. and they do some of the leadership there. Um, and they do some of the devotions. And also, we just have a prayer time. I, I want to talk about finding our voice today. 
And the reason I want to talk about that is that um, that I have continued to grow <laughs> and I've continued to learn. And one of the learnings that I had uh, about two and a half years ago, I, I took, we have a camping trailer. I took our camping trailer out for a two week um, spiritual retreat kind of thing, because I really needed to get a sense of the direction that God was calling me into the future. And, um, and I have to tell you that, that there's some real struggle with that for me because, um, because I am not a person that really enjoys spending a lot of time by myself. I'm also not a lot of a person who um, enjoys a lot of silence. And so um, I had a spiritual director from Colorado where, where I used to be who was working with me long distance on this. And, and um, so I just kind of jumped into it. And I don't know if you've had an opportunity to see a Chihui um, exhibit anywhere. I've had a chance to uh, see them here in Nashville and Denver and Columbus. And then my wife and I were out at the uh, Pacific Northwest Annual Conference a year and a half ago. And, um, and that's kind of, Dale Chihui's home area, and there's a there's a great museum there at the Space Needle um, in Seattle, and we got to spend some time there. This particular vessel that's a part of um, the exhibit, and I chose this. It's really a bowl, but I chose it because I think it exhibits what it means for us to um, to to speak out into the world. And we all have our platforms for speaking out into the world. We all have um, those things that, that we're called to in, in terms of speaking out. But I have to tell you, from the time that I was a little kid, I, I was the member of my family that was really interested in, in church. And my grandmother used to tell me that I was, I was going to be the preacher in the family. I was going to be the person who became a minister in the church and, and was the preacher. And so I grew up kind of imagining that I would be that, that pastor in the, um, in the pulpit speaking, you know, speaking those important words to God. As a matter of fact, I did it on our youth Sundays when I was in high school. Um, my little church didn't have a choir. So I went to, I was in band. So I thought that qualified me. I went to, uh, the, the part-time lay pastor that we had and said, um, I want to, I want to start a choir. So I did. And, um, and so I started this choir and had, um, had 10 people in it. And it was just, that was pretty good for a church that averaged about 30 in church. Um, and, and it went well, but, what I discovered along the way is that I needed to um, I needed to refine what it meant to be a spokesperson for God to um, to find my voice and so there's some there's some scriptural passages that have kind of helped me think about that and and one of those is from the first chapter of Jeremiah I think it's Jeremiah one eleven um, you know we usually read those first few verses of Jeremiah and um, and Jeremiah says, okay, God, and God touches Jeremiah's lips, and, uh, and then Jeremiah is the spokesperson for God. But if you read just a little bit further, 
God says to Jeremiah, basically, look around, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I think that's part of what it means for us to be spokespersons for God, that we have to start out with where we are, and we have to start out with what's going on. Right now, looking at our world, a world full of COVID, um, what do you see? What do you see in, in your area around here? Even on the news, they would say, what do you see in your neck of the woods? Um, you know, what, what's happening there? And what does that mean for the voice that you need to use in order to, to speak out? And then an, another passage of scripture that is really important to me, um, and I was reminded of a couple of weeks ago because it was the scripture for our worship service for my church, um, is Psalm 63. And the reminder that, that in those first few verses of Psalm 63, the psalmist is talking about the importance of seeking God. Um, and I translate that to listening. And that's where my challenge is. Um, because I'm not very good at it. When, when I did this two-week retreat, um, part of the rhythm of the day each day were a couple of times when I was supposed to just sit and um, just kind of sit in the spirit and, and listen for God's word and journal about that. And, um, and I have to tell you, that that was the biggest challenge of my time. I would struggle after five minutes. I, I would just kind of be like, okay, God, could you just please talk to me about something? Uh, you know, I, I need something here. And, and so for several days, I struggled. Uh, my spiritual director and I had a couple of conversations about it. Um, it's always been a part of my struggle. I worked when I was in Colorado, I worked with an associate pastor that every time she was leading the devotion for our staff meeting, she started with, let's spend some time in silence. And by that, she meant 10 minutes. And, and for me, that was an eternity. And, um, and so I was struggling still. But, but then after, after my um, spiritual director and I had, had a conversation, that evening, I, I took my Jeep and my camera and I went out, found this place that was, um, there was a pasture with fences and horses and the sun was setting. And I spent probably 45 minutes there um, just trying to frame and capture uh, this beauty of God's creation. And so as I started thinking about that, I realized that that's the place where I'm able to seek and listen and hear God um, and be prepared to be able to, um, to share what I've listened to and what I've heard. And so, um, and so now if I, if I want time with God, I'll even walk out in my, in my yard and, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you sometimes see pictures of things from my backyard. Um, but it's amazing to me the beauty that I can find both in the macro and the micro. Um, but that also allows me to just focus on God. And so I find that uh, spending time focusing through my lens allows me to, to, to uh, better inform what I'm going to uh, be doing in terms of trying to be a spokesperson for God. You know, when Jesus um, 
is talking about the Great Commission when he's commissioning his followers in Matthew 28. He's, uh, he's encouraging them to go out and make disciples, to teach, to show, to speak, really. And, and so we're called to, to speak for God. I think the real question about that is, um, is how do we do that? Sometimes I will post things on Instagram and Facebook that, um, that have no captions. Sometimes I put something that I'm thinking really deeply and seriously, and I put it on there, and, and a few people look at it and take it seriously. Uh, but I also love to just put, last week I put pictures of my wife and I sledding down the, the street in front of our house because that happens about once every five years in Nashville. And, um, and it was just a fun thing for us to be able to do and to share with other people. And I think people loved that and appreciated that. Um, so, so I think that one of the challenges we face as individuals is how is it that our voice is heard? And the church has traditionally said, well, you should go to seminary and become a pastor, and then you'll be able to speak out. Um, and in the United Methodist Church, we'd say you'd be able to speak out in an educated way. Um, but I think God calls us to speak in so many other ways. As a matter of fact, when Anne first came on, I saw the art behind her on her wall and said something about it. And she said she painted those. Um, I think that is a way that Anne is speaking, that her voice is being heard in terms of who she is as a follower of Christ, who she is as part of God's creation, and who she's being called to be. We continue to need to change that, and, um, and I've experienced that over the past, um, the past couple of years. I think we will see that begin to continually uh, shift as we emerge out of this COVID-19 time, however that happens. But, um, but I know that God is calling us to, uh, calling us to speak for him or her or them. I know that um, God is calling us to continue to grow. And, and so given, um, given the news that Chris shared earlier about um, Junius Dotson, the, the General Secretary of uh, Discipleship Ministries and his death last night, I went back to, um, to the last text he sent me actually. It was a year and a half ago. He, um, he went with us on a young leader pilgrimage that, um, that Young People's Ministry did for several years in um, Israel and Palestine. And his, um, his text, he texted me after I had left for the airport. And, and this is what it said. Thank you so much for inviting me on this trip. It has been life-changing for me in ways you can't even imagine. And then he closed with, see you on the mission field, my friend. Um, Junius is, uh, is, has been a spokesperson for God and will continue to be in, um, in a lot of powerful ways. And so the opportunity to be with him as he's experiencing a new way of growing was, uh, was a really special time for me. 
and a reminder that, um, that it's those times of growth that, um, that help ground us in what it is that, that we do with our voice. And, um, and the place that we find ourselves doing that is on the mission field. So, uh, so I would use that same line with you. I would say, you know, I hope that you continue to search, that you continue to, uh, to dig, that you continue to open yourselves to the opportunities to grow and find new ways to share your voice. And I look forward to the ways that we get to see each other on the mission field. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Mike. That's super helpful. Um, you know, we are um, coming to the end of our time, but um, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to move all the way through without asking you just about your book on Amazon. Uh, I think it's really important to sort of raise the awareness of that resource. Um, and uh, are you being groomed for sex? Is the is the title of it? So, would you mind just for a minute before we close kind of telling us about that book and, and, uh, and how we can use it in our ministries. The last year and a half I was at uh, discipleship ministries, I was the person responsible for, for safe sanctuaries. Um, Chris now shares that with another staff person there. Um, but but through that process and through the years of ministry that I've that I've been involved in, um, you know, I've continued to see those situations where young people get groomed, and um, and they're not aware that it's happening, and sometimes where youth pastors and youth leaders are in a place of grooming that they're not self-aware enough to understand. And um, some of the resources that I was able to work with, and one of them is a, is a sexuality resource that's still available from, uh, from the Upper Room Bookstore that Jeremy wrote, um, we were able to do, but there were things we couldn't do because of being inside the church. And, and so when I moved to a place, I, I joke now that I work with the church instead of for the church. But, um, but when I, I moved to a place where there was a little bit more independence, I thought, you know, there just isn't anything directly um, aimed at high school, especially guys, also, also females. There are some resources more so for females, but there's just not much of anything there for a guy to figure out what's happening and they get into a place where they're in that experience and they don't know what to do with it. And so I wrote this little book. It's really a fairly simple book and it's a fairly short book um, and have, and have also written a, a guide for youth workers to use with that, that, that I have available that I can send you directly. But the idea really is to help a kid look at, um, a kid who's telling their story basically and, um, and recognize what can happen, uh, what the possibilities are for outcomes. And, and it's a story that has like three possible outcomes and then ask the reader to, to imagine what their outcome might be. And also has resources for, um, for them or for a friend who might find themselves in a situation 
where they need that help. So it's a simple book. It's really a simple, um, a simple need, I think, except that it is a crisis situation. And, um, and 90% of people who abuse teenagers are people that teenagers know. And when you think about that and the situation we're in with COVID right now, I think it's a very scary time. So I encourage you to take a look at it. It's very frank. I had some high schoolers read it and I had some youth workers read it. Um, and, and, you know, it uses terminology that some of it's street terminology. Uh, I tried to tried to write a fence so that a church group could actually use it. But, um, but I think it's, I think it's realistic. I've been told it's realistic and I hope it makes a difference, but thanks for mentioning that Jeremy. And I hope you guys will take a look at it. Yeah, it, it really is a worthwhile um, read. And um, part of the context that that came out of uh, was at the same time as some of the stories that were emerging from uh, like the Olympic abuse scandals with uh, gymnastics, right? Where there was this trusted uh, physician who not only had groomed uh, the, the victims, right? The youth that were experiencing this abuse, but also had groomed their parents to... Um, you know, accept the behavior that that this physician was was putting forwards, and so that idea of grooming really is um, a, just a, a very important dynamic to be able to pay attention to um, for those of us that are in ministry and and find ourselves in positions of power and vulnerability with young people. So, Mike, thanks for always being brave and stepping into those very necessary spaces and those emerging spots. Sometimes I step in it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping forward, stepping forward. <laughs>